Hello, fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we re-examine Hollywood's redheaded stepchildren. As a redheaded stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson. And I'm Andy Boel. And today we are pulling back Hollywood's crypt to review 1982's Conan the Barbarian. This was a trash movie. <laughs> this this was a bad film. I mm-hmm. I Okay, so like it's not a good movie, but I get it. What do you get? Like I get how this could be appealing to people and how this could be like the movie that launched Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. Like there's a heavy layer of cheese over everything but just the like the leather and oil and muscle and sword and boob and primal (laughs) everything like this is a badly written movie but Mm -hmm. i i 10 year old andy got it well i'm glad some version of andy got it (laughs) No version of Stephanie understood this. Fair. And you know what? I don't know if Oliver Stone and John Milius had the female demographic in mind when they were writing a movie with like three, no, two, two incredibly awkward sex scenes and, and one sex scene that was still incredibly awkward, but for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't great. I honestly blocked out one of the sex scenes. So sure. when your lovely wife texted me and said, there's three sex scenes in under an hour, I was like, where did the third one? Ha- oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And that was as I was watching the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I watched this with Mariah. I don't watch um, every film with Mo. She usually decides whether or not she gives enough of a shit. Or if a movie sounds too awful, she she doesn't partake. And this time it was just a lazy Sunday. And she was like, yeah, sure, I'll be in the room. And I swear, seven minutes into the movie, I will quote Mariah. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me she said it in exactly that tone of voice. Yes, exactly that tone of voice. Wonderful. Well, for those of you who understandably skipped the movie, Conan the Barbarian is the story of a man raised in slavery after the brutal and gruesome death of his parents by a savage warlord and cult leader, Thulsa Doom. The movie details Conan's rise to fame as a world-renowned fighter and his journey for revenge on the man who killed his parents. Yeah. Things (laughs) Things just happen in this movie. Like to yeah, to, the just writing cut, is... to cut right through it. The writing is atrocious. This was written by Oliver freaking Stone, the man who gave us like Platoon and JFK and Wall Street, like '80s cocaine icon Oliver Stone. And you can tell that this was one of his earliest works, and that he was just getting into the cocaine. Oh no! Because I I was just struck over and over again how like. There's no actual through line of this movie. Like this came Mm -hmm. out after star Wars and there's no excuse, but like it doesn't follow the hero's journey at all. There's no first Mm -hmm. refusal. 
there's a refusal uh-huh. of her first refusal when like Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, yeah, I'm going to abandon my friends to go kill the dude. Mm-hmm. But like we go from villager to parents are dead to slave to gladiator to release from slavery for some reason to falls down a hole to finding a sword like i don't know it's so it's it's just randomly like it's happening at you conan literally stumbles into the plot multiple times in this film hard agree you said you watched it with Mo. I watch most of our movies with Alex. And because you said it doesn't appeal to the female demographic whatsoever, for the most part, um, I really appreciated Alex's view on this because he did grow up with this movie. And he was the 10-year-old boy that you said was obsessed with it. Like the sword play, the buff dude, the pretty ladies, the idea of fighting back and killing the giant snake that was all his that was his ish sure so there were multiple parts in the movie where he like talked along with it and i asked him later why he liked it and he's like i'm aware it's not a good movie by its own standards now but when i was 10 it was a very good movie I, I I would agree with that. And, you know, I, I had never actually seen this one. I had seen the mm-hmm. sequel, Conan the Destroyer, numerous times. It's oh, no. a, According to IMDb, it's worse. But in my opinion, it was like just a better movie. It's got Grace Jones. <laughs> Conan kills a god. It's, it's pretty awesome. But I'd never seen Conan the Barbarian. But, like, just, you know, I was the kid who... If we went to the park, I had a stick in my hands within 10 minutes and it was always a sword. I was all, it was like, I was always fighting some invisible enemy. Like I can see to a certain demographic how this is like the thing. And it's so interesting. This came out after star Wars and shortly um, after Raiders of the lost Ark. And I just can't help but feel like, uh, director John Milius and Oliver Stone were sitting here being like, okay, this is going to be the R rated that thing, that franchise. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure plenty of people know, but for anyone who doesn't like Conan was an established thing before this movie. Yeah. It was a book series. Right. And it was, it was written by Robert E. Howard in the 1930s, but Robert E. Howard and specifically Conan or Conan, which is it? Conan. Okay. We've been saying Conan, Um, but I don't know. I've heard it either way, honestly. Fair. But he was, Howard specifically, um, was cited as the father of the fantasy subgenre of sword and sorcery. And a a lot of what happened after was informed by Conan. Right. So it's interesting that it's like, oh, of course you had a stick in your hand as a kid and you were pretending to fight, you know, it's it's directly based off of this and this like this idea is inherent. Am I making sense? <laughs> no, well, I think it is inherent. And I think like there's something about the sexuality you know, I used the mm. word I used the word primal earlier in describing the sort of thing. And I just I really think like this is like 
so male gazy, but it almost like started in a time where it was like maybe not maliciously male gazy. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much of a cliff I want to defend Robert Howard on for having like a, a hot blonde in a loincloth grabbing the leg of the, <laughs> of the, of the strong sword man. But like, my point is like, even beyond the fact that there's a hot blonde in a loincloth, there's a hot ripped dude in a loincloth yeah. with oiled muscles. Yeah. And that's just always been like part of it. It is a, it is a men want to project themselves onto this alpha figure. And of course the alpha figure is getting all the girls. And like, especially in this movie, one thing that really struck me and they kind of kept with this weird sexuality tone, you have this group of taut, virile, strong, young, sleek, oiled up heroes. And all of our villains are like these kind of paunchy, older, flabby faced men kidnapping Mm -hmm. and, and, and seducing, you know, these young women. There's, there's definitely a dynamic of like, okay, which one of these is best thing going on Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, I will say when you said male gazy, I agree with you. But then there's also elements of the female gaze. I personally don't find Schwarzenegger very attractive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I find him a bit of a cartoon character, if I'm honest. But there is something of the appeal of him like being shirtless and being muscled. Like if you cut off his head, the rest of it I'm here for. Well, so so that brings up a question I, I wanted to know. And I think you just kind of answered it. But like... What was Arnold Schwarzenegger in in the Johnson household growing up? Uh, the governor. Okay. Because <laughs> I grew up in California. Well, this is fair. <laughs> um, no, but even, even before that, I think neither of my parents were particularly a fan of him. Okay. Um, I, cu- I mean, I could absolutely be wrong, but I just, I think he was a bit mocked in our household because he was so over the top. I gotcha. And that's interesting. Just well, not interesting. It's just like, I can tell you in my household, Arnold was the guy. Like Mm. he was the action hero placed above everyone else because I, I didn't really think about it until watching this and reflecting on it. But like, you know, Terminator, Predator, Commando, Eraser, True Lies, Jingle All the Way. Like, (laughs) I watched probably every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and there was zero Sylvester Stallone. There was Bruce Willis, but just in the context of Die Hard. And, like, like (laughs) those are, like, your three 90s action heroes. I I would say those three and Jackie Chan are, like, it was one of those four are the guy. And in my in, in the Boel household, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, whether that was like totally conscious on my dad's part or not. So I that's another reason why I sit here and get it. What is best in life to crush your enemies, see them driven before you and to hear the lamentation of the women? That is good. That is good. Well, he's like a characterization, right, yeah. of everything that's male. Yes. So it's like he's overly muscular. He's overly sexual. 
I mean, the the drop that you use all the time for LHR, <laughs> case in point. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever. I know it is. But there's there is something with Arnold Schwarzenegger that's like, oh, this is someone who is the epitome of masculine. Yes. I would agree with that. And, and, but, you know, you called him a cartoon character and I totally agree with that as well. Like, like there's a point in the movie when Arnold Schwarzenegger is being chased by wolves and then he falls down the hole where he gets the sword, where he makes the sound. And I straight up like shouted in my apartment, he made the sound. He did the, ah! <laughs> I was gonna a- I was gonna ask which sound you meant because I wasn't quite sure, but I figured it was one of like the Arnold grunts. Yes, it is ah! like it is the Arnold cry, and you know. So so to bring it into the movie, like this really was his breakout role. It wasn't his first role. That was a, a movie called Hercules in New York that I've never seen and have no interest to, but like Conan was the thing. It was Conan and it was the pumping iron documentary where he talks about coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear to God, but like you watch him. And, and so this is like his, one of his first real acting challenges. And he, he took it seriously. He started growing his hair out three years before this movie even started filming so that he didn't have to wear a wig, but he's such a novice actor in this. And you, you can mm. tell by like, you know, there's, there's the part where he starts gladiator fighting for the first time. And I can just see Milius being like, okay, Arnold, you don't know how to fight. And he's like, correct. I don't know how to fight. <laughs> okay. But like we're, we're, we're acting. This guy is going to pretend to beat you up, act like you are confused and have no idea what's going on. Okay. I am confused and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> oh no. It's just, it's interesting. Like through it all, like it, it feels like, his side characters get a lot of talking around him, you know, Subutai and Mm -hmm. Valeria carry a lot of the conversation. Arnold really is like there as something to be seen more than heard for the most part. I think, I think the most serious bit of acting is when he does the, the famous line, what is best in life to hear the lamentations of the women. (laughs) Uh, giant jack off. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> it's just uh, the way he says it, and also a little bit because Alex was mouthing along with it because it was a not a line he knew so well. I was like, oh my god, whatever. But how embarrassing for classically trained James Earl Jones to be like, I have to act off of this piece of muscular cardboard. What the fuck, well- you guys? <laughs> And we say that, and I would totally be agreeing with you, except I read that they got on, I read that they got along tremendously on set. Like they were buddies. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. I don't either, but apparently like Arnold would give bodybuilding tips and then James Earl Jones would be like, oh, thank you. Okay. Here's how you act. <laughs> James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, who was attached to the project super late because his prior commitment was Broadway. <laughs> like, Did you notice vaguely how they codified him as white? Yes. A little, not not white per se, like he they didn't white face him at all, but they straighten his hair. They straighten his they hair. They give him blue contacts. Right. 
he's I was not like, he he's not like he's not no. he's not a black man in this in this film he's some hyper exotic weird like exactly you know they they gave him a really catty wig and they gave him some contacts and we're like okay we we're in a fantasy world where race isn't a thing see how we've got all of these um you know, different minority groups. And then also our two strapping Aryan heroes. <laughs> yup. 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 That's how this movie didn't age well, along with a slew of other things. Slew of other things. A- an exact thought that went through my head was, Oh, Oh, you know, okay, good. I appreciate when my hero like treats women with, Oh, uh, and he's raping her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is inexcusable and and totally like dates this movie in a horrible way and is the bad version of the male gaze. A lot of weird sex. We we said it, but you know we we had at the very least that first scene was like a tasteful cutaway, but not tasteful enough because we totally knew what was going on. But then like Mm. later, one of the bits of plot that Conan literally stumbles into is he walks past a house and this lady's like, Oh, Hey, you're strapping. Come lay by my fire. And then (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Exposits during sex. Here's the bad guy. Here's his symbol. This is where you need to go. I'm a monster now. I'm a demon now. See you later. I'm a demon thing. Throw me in the fire. <laughs> Mo- I was going to give this movie the Oscar for most awkward sex, but then I remembered Showgirls and rescinded. It's fair. But but speaking of awkward sex, like that was an awkward sex scene because like that's a not good dirty talk. There is no. the, the last sex scene of the movie is between Conan and Valeria and literally like all they do is it's just shot after shot of them like rolling around like they keep mm-hmm. like they keep like doing the Simba Nala thing of like I'm on top no I'm on top no I'm on top <laughs> listen they're both warriors they have some internal struggle of who is going to be on top I'm going to hope that that is what they actually meant and it wasn't just like a i don't know guys roll to the left this time like we we need (laughs) we need 45 seconds of this how much do you love valeria though valeria makes this movie like this is a bad movie until this is a bad movie until we meet subatai and then even Mm -hmm. then it's not a good movie it's still just like it's a weird bit where they're just going through a town and like nothing actually happens, but mm-hmm. like it gets a, a slight degree better after we meet Subatai. This movie gets good after we meet Valeria. Yes. Yes. Which is by the way, halfway through the film. Yeah. You know, but Valeria is the one who's like, Hey, I'm going to break in the castle. You guys want to come with. And they're just like, okay, let's see what's going on inside the castle. What's going on inside the castle? Snake worship for this weird, creepy cult that Thulsa Doom is in charge of. And then Valeria proceeds to kill, it's kind of unclear, uh, attendant of the cult and wear her clothing. And she drives the rest of the plot for the movie. Her death drives Conan for his final like battle scene. Right. Yeah. She, she is the 
only thing driving the plot in any sensible way. And mm-hmm. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I want the Valeria movie. Like I would same much rather watch that. Do you want to live forever? Absolutely. I would be here for the version of the movie that's Valeria dealing with the fuck boy that is Conan, <laughs> yeah. but saving the day anyway. I would watch that. Same. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> this, this might be a opportune moment to point out. There is a movie called Red Sonja. Uh, which stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sandy Bergman, who is Valeria, uh, came, no came out three years later after Conan. Arnold Schwarzenegger is basically playing Conan. Red Sonia is another Robert E. Howard character. Um, I'm just saying. So, so the only thing that gives me trepidation is it's got a five on IMDb, but <laughs> oh, no. but but maybe. Maybe, just maybe, there is a version out here that is what we're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, Conan the Barbarian, not good to animals, not good to women, not good to minorities. Valeria for president 2020. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Uh, Conan punches a camel. And yeah, that's what I meant by not good to animals. I know, I know. I'm I'm illuminating for the audience because when I say Conan punches a camel, I mean I'm almost positive Arnold Schwarzenegger punched a real camel. Like I I didn't go back and watch it, but it didn't look like a puppet. There are plenty of no, animals. No, it looks like a real camel. Right, because there are plenty of other animals that clearly look like puppets, and that wasn't one of them. So pretty sure uh, Peta wasn't on set here. Well, and especially since it's early days in Schwarzenegger's acting career, so he probably doesn't know how to stage punch just yet. So he well, probably actually punched that camel. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, they're they're filming in uh, Spain where you can get away with literally anything during that time period, and both the director and the writer are on all the cocaine. So it just, I'm sure it happened on accident and everyone loved it. I feel like I, I I want this to be a thing. It happens before the camel punching, but for the sake of our hearts, I'm going to assume it was filmed after the camel punching. There is the scene when Conan is running from a pack of like wild dogs. Uh-huh. Those were actual feral dogs. Like what the fuck? Like they had attacked the trainer. So in that scene, Conan is running, and when I say Conan again, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger is running for his very real life from a pack of vicious attack dogs. Oh my god, eighties. Oh no, the script is dumb. The script is very dumb in a lot of different ways, and like. <laughs> I, I feel like even it's not just like, oh, we're adapting some fr- something from the 30s. Because my understanding mm-hmm. is the Robert E. Howard books are, are actually, you know, as well written as any pulp is. But like just the way the, the way things happen don't does not work good. And I'll say it again. It is inexcusable five years after Star Wars. Like the yeah. movie that solidified how you're supposed to do this. Right? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, what haven't we covered? Oh, 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 I know what we haven't covered. The fact that there is a cult in this movie that follows all of the rules for a cult to a T. Surprisingly accurate cult. Like, 
Yes. Thulsa Doom and his snaky cult match all of the rules so well it's like textbook. They oppose critical thinking because Thulsa has this whole monologue at Conan about how he's right and Conan is wrong. There's sexuality uh, used as a way to advance because there's one scene with a giant just orgy. completely unexplained orgy. Yeah, you know. Um, there's disordering of the family unit because, or excuse me, dishonoring of the family unit because the princess who is going to marry Thulsa Doom is stolen. Um, there's seeking inappropriate loyalty to the leaders. There is one scene to exemplify that. There's one scene where Thulsa Doom, in trying to show his power to Conan, gestures to a woman above and says my darling come here she's standing on the edge of a cliff and then she just jumps to her death because her leader said so yes it's a lot i i say this to provide brevity in that scene could you hear mufasa yes you deliberately disobeyed me simba because like yeah specifically in that scene all i could hear was mufasa (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I actually during the during his long monologue to Conan about how Conan is incorrect in his way of thinking and he Thulsa Doom the cult leader is correct. I genuinely heard the line, "Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me." Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's all the stuff about like so you know he is such a like prototypical cult leader. There's all the stuff he's got at the end with Conan about how like mm-hmm you are my son. I, yep. I created you as an, a father. Ignore the fact that I killed your father, but yeah, I made you who you are, which is the most cult leader comeback. ever. Right. like I, I tore you down to build you back up. My son. Blech. I mean, my favorite thing about that. And this is where like, you can tell when they ran out of cocaine, not even mu- budget, but just cocaine. Like the climax <laughs> of our movie is that impassioned speech of like, ah, ha Conan, truly I created you as unto a father. So now take my side and we will rule the pride lands. And Conan just instantly and casually murders him with no fight. <laughs> Show me where the sun doesn't shine now, bitch. <laughs> And it was so like, I don't know, that moment especially was like, oh, oh okay, we're just kind of piddling out here. Because we go from like great fight scene in the in the volcano mountain base where like everybody's killing everybody to Conan and Subutai's last stand where they, you know, two against many and taking out all the people on horseback and, and killing all of our other paunchy commander dudes. And then just, Oh, Hey, I walked up and cut off your head. I win now. (laughs) Yeah. I just, mm, it's very anticlimactic. I also don't appreciate I love the I love the whole sequence of uh two against one as you were saying but I definitely also think the Valeria insert Valeria has passed away she is dead and somehow she comes she doesn't come back to life. She comes back as like yeah, a specter. Like, yeah, like her Valkyrie ghost in a new set of armor is like Which... saving Conan's literal ass. 
I appreciated she's, that very much. Yeah, she's an actual deus ex machina, and you're just like, okay, sure. Because once again, of course the woman is the one who drives the plot for the further glory of the dude. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, we're, we're coming a little disjointed, but, like, how did it hit you, the part where Conan is literally crucified, is on the brink of death, and then our savior woman character essentially bargains with the demons or whatever and like it's even said like okay there's gonna be a consequence then i'll pay the consequence i love him he needs to survive and like you know essentially trades her life for his yep yeah and as as she's dying she said i did say i would pay the gods Uh. and i'm like girl you had so much better ahead of you than this fuck boy yeah She's the only one who's competent. The only one who... I mean, Subutai is also pretty great. But, like, she is clearly the best fighter amongst them. The smartest. The one with the biggest brain. And she's the most discredited. Yeah. Gail Simone, uh, famed comic book author and also the woman I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) She came up with a term called fridging. Mm -hmm. Based off of a Green Lantern run where... A, a Green Lantern comes home to finding his girlfriend dead and chopped up into pieces and shoved into his refrigerator. And she came up with that term to mean when a female character drives the plot of a man. Right. Like the the death of a woman driving the plot, driving a man to motivation to like do a thing. And that happens not once with Valeria, but twice. Because Conan's mom dies in the very beginning, and that's kind of like what continues Conan's plot. You killed my mother! You killed my father! You killed my people! You took my father's sword! Right, it's it's just there... It's like we couldn't think of any other way to motivate the character other than all the women he loves keep getting killed by this dude. And that, I mean, again, eighties, terrible script. Like I'm not defending it in any way, shape or form. No, not at all. But I can see, I can see why coked out of his mind. Oliver Stone thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Neither here nor there. I just, it, it struck me. Conan's mother is played by an actress who has no last name and is called Nadiska. And that is a fact that I feel like everyone needs to know because that is such a like shit move over share. Let's get Nadiska in here. (laughs) Nadiska. Has she been in anything else? Uh, So like a shit, she's a Bavarian actress and yeah, I mean, she's got a, a pretty, she's got like a 25 year career. A lot of it is, um, it looks like Spanish movies interesting Um, yeah and and i feel like with a name like that she has to be a model she's certainly beautiful enough to have been a model um Mm -hmm. i'm looking for any other like american credits there's something called black commando which looks exploitive what (laughs) wait oh what (laughs) She was in a adaptation of Othello called Black Commando, which now I need to watch. Beg pardon? I'm not. 
It looks like it's like set during Vietnam. What the hell? <laughs> All right, this is going on my personal list. Like, oh my God. Oh no, I see it now. Oh, we need to watch this. We need to watch this. <laughs> we need to watch this. Okay, listeners, sorry. We've 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 gotten distracted. Anyway, <clears throat> Nadiska, remember her name. Remember how pretty she is. <laughs> Remember, remember her sacrifice. Let's talk about that freaking moment at the beginning of the movie. Like oh fucking God. Thulsa Doom being a caddy high schooler, like looking at her so somberly, mournfully, like, I love you. I always loved you. You had to go to the prom with him. Okay, I'm over it. Psych, I cut off your head. <laughs> Damn, Andy, I'm sorry I never asked you the prom. Jesus, you were a freshman. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. To be fair, there was a substantial age gap. <laughs> substantial? Rude. Well. <laughs> hmm, hmm, okay. <laughs> Put foot in mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> so you wrote Conan's Heaven is Weird. Conan's heaven is weird. There's the moment where him and Subutai are like comparing gods. And first of all, I love how Subutai or Conan's like, I worship Krom. Krom lives in the earth. And Subutai is just like, lol, my God's the sky. He kicks your God's ass. (laughs) (laughs) But like Conan's heaven was like, he, he talked about like, I have to kill the guy or else I won't go to Valhalla where I can fight and I've got to know how swords work so good. Otherwise, like, like it sounds like Conan's heaven is just more fighting, which, okay. I understand. I've watched star Trek. I know Klingons. I understand the appeal there, but just like, I'm just sitting there like, wouldn't you want a, a break? But I guess that's why I'm not a virile barbarian man god i'm gonna not dignify that with a response <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so shit speaking of shit that is weird thulsa doom period is weird and his snake cult powers are arbitrary and dumb like so many things about this movie he turns into a snake. he turns into a snake but he only does it once and he doesn't like do anything. Yep. yep. So during the the witch sex scene, the demon witch sex scene, I was like, oh, that's weird. And Alex just like next to me, like quietly says into his hands, he's like, it gets weirder. And I was like, <laughs> how can it get weirder? Q2, 40 minutes later, when James Earl Jones turns into a snake. Turns into a snake casually. Like I can't overstate enough how bizarre the scene is because he starts turning into a snake and then it's before he sees Conan like like he was already planning on turning into a snake that day it's not that like his temple got (laughs) raided and he's like okay escape plan hiss no he was going to be a snake that day no matter what and just kind of like saunters off through a hole at 2.30, I shall get my manicure. At 3, I shall watch the orgy. And at 3.30, I shall turn into a snake. At 5, I shall dick around and do stuff. Just just snake stuff. As you do. Just snake stuff. Is this what Gomez does on a regular basis? He doesn't turn into an arrow. That's for damn sure. <laughs> nah. 
He just turns into a danger nude. Yes, he does. <laughs> so speaking of giant snakes, towards the middle of the movie, we get the exciting like uh, snake temple raid sequence. And we get the objectively cool giant snake puppet that Valeria and Conan and Subutai all wind up fighting. And Is it cool, I though? think it's pretty damn cool. I, I appreciate anything real that is that big as a practical effect. Mm, mm. Okay. Glad I mean, you appreciated it. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's 80s cool. Let me, let me look at it again. Conan, oh no, I was sorry. I was referencing the fact that it was terrifying. Oh, well, hmm, fair. <laughs> because it is a giant snake, and what am I scared of more than most things, Andy? Snakes. Right. And, you know, I even thought about it um, during the movie. I was like, oh, oh man. Oh, Stephanie really hated that part in Snakes on a Plane when the big with the giant pe- grandpa with, with the giant python and this thing is like four times the size of that hmm. okay <laughs> fair fair i i see where you're coming from now <laughs> <laughs> gomez is fine i can deal with him because right. he's sweet and he's little and he stays in his cage for the most part unless you take him out and even then he's like mm, warms i'm gonna stay over here fair yeah <laughs> But, I mean, did it give you any solace when the giant snake died? Um, I guess. I did kind of wonder with the giant snake, like, probably 30 minutes from then is when we see James Harold Jones's character turn right. into a snake. And so part of me was like, wait, was that snake a person too? And and you gotta, you, you gotta think that, right? I mean, either that or it was like the snake demigod thing i mean it's really just presented for the rule of cool and and no other good reason but i thought that was well the the other reason i thought that was because um at some point james earl jones's character turns to one of his henchmen and is like you killed my snake so-and-so and points to henchmen right so and so practically raised that snake and i was like is it his son now that, that I know that hmm. he can turn into a snake? Yeah. That would make sense as to why um, that guy was like the, the chief priest guy. And that would make sense as to why he freaked out so badly. Like, oh, wow. Maybe he was just like trying to hang out with his kid. And then these three uh, ruffians just indiscriminately murder it. Huh. See, I, can't, can't I can believe- make any movie deep. I was about to say, I can't believe I'm both sides and Conan. <laughs> Two literature degrees. That's what it'll do for you, kids. You can you insert go. meaning into any text. Yay. This is a fairly organic question. Did you insert any meaning of our only predominantly Asian character being a hobo wizard man? I mean, it's a little it's, magical it's, person of color. Yeah, right? It's it's a little not great because he also then proceeds to save the white man with his ability to call out to the gods. It's not great. It's not great, especially the way that um, the wizard is like portrayed as kind of an insane man. That and the fact that like 
he tells the white man's tale. So it's like this co-opting of, I could tell my own culture and my own story, but I'm going to instead tell the story of this white man I know. Because this white man is so great. He's so great, you guys. Oh my God, let me tell you about this white guy. Now, oh my God, he has zero butt. <laughs> he does. It's all in his pecs. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. And that's what it is for Angelina Jolie too. Hey! I've never appreciated you more than when I hear you shit talk Angelina Jolie, <laughs> who I've never gotten. Oh. <laughs> so so I gotta I gotta say though, on the one hand, magic person of color, totally 80s racist. On the other hand, that character, the wizard, is played by Mako, voice acting legend and phenomenal Japanese American actor. And I was straight up delighted to hear his voice, and I wanted to know if Alex was too, because he's a big old voice actor nerd, and I was curious if he caught that at all. I'm not sure that he did, but I also think this wasn't, I mean, this obviously wasn't his first time watching it, because he'd been watching it since he was 11. So if he caught that, he didn't explain it to me. And to be honest, I'm not quite familiar with Mako, so I'm not sure that I would. That's very fair. Um, he's he's an amazing voice actor. He was Uncle Iroh in um, Avatar The Last Airbender. And <gasps> oh, shit. He was Aku in Samurai Jack. Those are his, like, oh. big roles. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, I know who both of those people are. Damn. Capital V, capital A, voice acting legend, R.I.P. Mako. <laughs> Oh, he passed? That's he he sad. passed like 14 years ago, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'll accept that. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Speaking of people who pass, Valeria's death and then Sobotai crying. Such a good moment. Such a good moment. I I would like to segue us into our quote of the movie, which is, he won't cry, so I cry for him. So sweet. And I don't want to step on your, your words, but you really uh, accurately pointed out that it is a example of a character like holding space for someone else, which is a real like thing you can you do for for people as a a form of grief sharing. And I can't imagine that it was intentional, but it still Mm -hmm. applies and I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't think that was a thing that people like holding space. I'm sure that wasn't a term in the early eighties, but still the concept of he won't cry. So I cry for him. And that, and that idea of this person is experiencing a grief so great that they can't emote, so I will emote for them. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is lovely. Like, you know that that Oliver Stone meant it as like, man, Conan's so tough, he doesn't even cry. Mm, I'm sure he did. Yeah. But, but doesn't make it any less lovely, unintentionally, yeah. nowadays. Mm-hmm. I keep getting tripped up just just to take a moment. I keep getting tripped up on how old this film is. Like I'm finally in the stage of my life where I sit here and go, "Oh, okay. I mean, 1982. That was only ten years before I was born. That's not that bad." And then I sit here and go, "Wait, I'm I'm 28. So this film is rounding up <clears throat> 40 years old. Cool, 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 cool." 
Andy, how many times tonight are you going to call me old? I said nothing about anything. I was born in that. I was born in that decade, boy. You're born on that decade, sure, but you're you're a lot closer to my birthday than this movie's birthday. <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> Listen. Yes. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Uh huh. I love you. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Tell me your damn quote. Um, so my quote, you know, we, we mentioned the awkward sex scene. I, I kind of made a joke of it, but, but my quote absolutely is, do you not wish to warm yourself by my fire? <laughs> Which is a hundred percent the get coffee, Netflix and chill of the Hyborian age. Like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say that to Alex later. Yes. I approve of it. <laughs> there's nothing better than warming yourself by the fire and then getting thrown into the fire post coitus Hmm. Hmm. that's what every girl wants yeah you know just get thrown into a fire and to turn into a laughing fireball witch thing sure 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 sure. (laughs) Andy is this movie cult? I think this movie is totally cult like this isn't the first movie where we've sat here and said this is cult because of the character more than the film itself. I think mm. Conan the Barbarian, the movie, is silly and poorly written and nonsensical and forgettable. But Conan is cult. And this mm-hmm. movie is cult through Conan and like Mm -hmm. it's cult because of all the the boys who watched this and then became like kids who would run around with with swords and and pretend to be like you know these these leather clad a different set of armor every time you see me like badasses who are out there looking for the lamentations of the women like Conan is cult. Conan is almost a hundred year old character. And Mm -hmm. like he is. Yeah. Right. He, he is the, the barbarian. Like, like when you roll up that class in D and D you're thinking of this guy and the giant sword, you're going to swing around. So, so yes, I, I I think this movie's cult. This movie did fantastically financially. It quadrupled its budget because 1982 was a year that we as a people were ready for tits and axes and and leather bound hunks killing things. Um, sure, but you know it 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 caused a franchise. It was already part of a franchise, but it did like cause enough of a phenomenon that I think you can say Conan to just about anybody. And as long as they don't think you're talking about the talk show host, they're going to know exactly who you mean. Sure. So you can either think of Arnold Schwarzenegger with muscles oiled up and ready to go and kill people with a giant sword, or you can think of a six foot tall redhead. Take your pick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I know which one I want to tuck me in at night, and it's the delightfully freckled redhead. Oh, Conan O'Brien is so lovely, and yeah. he's so freaking tall. Yes, he is. <laughs> His freakishly long legs. 
<laughs> I saw I saw it um I went to LA to visit my sister when she lived there and we went to go see a taping. Oh that's right. I forgot about that. It was so, it was so fun and so cool. But also like he comes out and you're like, "Oh my god, how are you actually this tall?" Yeah. <laughs> how? Anyway, um, speaking of things that are the most of a thing, I would like to award Oscars. Yes, please. Let's go for it. Okay. Okay. So my Oscar for this movie will go to most Home Alone-esque murder in the scene where the guy took a spike to the chest. Hell yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which, like, that's your climax of the movie right there, that moment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The dude hits a tripwire and then just, oh, my torso's gone. <laughs> I loved it. And and I got to say real quick, just because this is where it fits in. So that guy was, like, Thulsa Doom's third in command. And his name mm-hmm. was Thorgrim, which is a great, like, old-timey barbarian name. And he was played by this guy named Sven Oli Thorson. And every single time this guy was on screen, like, Thulsa Doom says something, and he just kind of gives this, hmm, yeah, okay, kind of nod. <laughs> every single time. He's just, like, thoughtfully nodding at everything that is put in front of him. And it was so distracting, and I loved it. <laughs> I think I'm related to Sven Oli Thorson. Sound, sounds like someone I would be related to. Yeah, you know. Go back to those Nordic roots. Well, I am a quarter Swedish. I, I know. <laughs> to whom or to what will you be giving your Oscar this evening? I will be giving Conan the Barbarian the Oscar for Best Interpretation of a Subtitle. At one point, like, I just decided that I wanted the subtitles on just so I could probably understand Arnold better was my my reasoning. But there's a moment, like, right after they resurrect Conan where Subutai, like, asks Mako to get something or do something. And Mako, the wizard, makes this sound. Ah! And the at least for Amazon Prime, the person whose job it was to write the subtitles said, yeah, Mako totally said, yeah, there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, buddy. I lost my shit. I laughed so hard at that. It had to be my Oscar. Uh, oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know what else is wonderful? Kevin Bacon. In so many ways. <laughs> Cue the saxophone music. All right, so I went with uh, the best character in the movie, uh, the wonderful Sandy Bergman, who, Aww. like, I never really knew Sandy Bergman, but if I had been around in the 80s, like, it would have been her poster on the back of my closet. Let me tell you, she is a mm-hmm. handsome woman. Um, <laughs> Sandy Bergman was in a god awful movie called the ice cream man which is about a killer ice cream man just so you know um and that killer ice cream man was played by clint howard um of the howard brothers 
sure. Clint Howard was also in Apollo 13, which we all know by now had Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Very well done. My yeah. Man. All right. Well, I chose the one other woman. No, I'm sorry. One of the three other women character in this movie for, which is to say I chose Cassandra Gava, who played the witch. She is in The High Road to China with oh, uh, Wilfred Brimley. That's mm-hmm. a good movie. And Wilfred Brimley is in End of the Line with Kevin Bacon. Nice. Nice. We're tied. I'll always take a tie. Anytime I yeah. can tie secretly, it's a victory to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, dude. I've been in arguments with my husband enough to know that, you know, when you can take a tie, you take it. When you can take a tie, you can take it. <laughs> yeah. What are we watching next, Andy? Well, let's find out. Uh, I'm very curious because, like, the the crypt has been putting you yourself through the snake gamut. There's so much. So much, Andy. So much. And, like, I don't know these movies well enough to know that there's a giant snake or that somebody turns into a snake. Um, <laughs> I think you're getting psyched up for Anaconda, but... Um, we don't we don't psych up movies and we don't pick them in advance on cult fiction. We put our hands in fate and we use a random number generator to look through our 310 movies to find out what we're watching next. And so that is what we are going to do now. And I have rolled number 186, which is a good freaking movie. Okay, I can tell okay. you this one does not have snakes, but it does have boobs. Okay. <laughs> Next time on Cult Fiction, we are watching Reanimator, which is sci-fi Ooh. horror garbage, and I love it. I'm excited. Okay. Reanimator kicks ass. Oh, this is a good movie. Okay. Well... That's all for this edition of Cult Fiction. If you want to keep up, you can follow us on Twitter at Cult Fiction Cast. You can also follow, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would especially love a five-star review. Yes, we'll close please. The crypt for na- <laughs> we'll close the crypt for now. But join us next time when we inject green goop into dead people as we watch ah! HP Lovecraft's Reanimator. This movie kicks ass. I love this movie. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell.